Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a different horror movie every week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm doing better than you are. And you did a good job of choosing a different intro that actually makes sense this week. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it. I had all night to think. <laughs> so I was, you know. <laughs> I had, I don't know, like 12 hours to come up with a one-word change. Yeah. What? Because, like, <laughs> the other one flows so well. This one flows well, too. Yeah, but it took a while because I'm stupid. <laughs> Not because you're stupid, because you didn't try. <laughs> maybe. Not maybe, Bob. Uh, Not maybe. You know. Okay, well, guys, you know the deal, because we're four movies in now. We're watching, yeah. well, this is the fourth one, but we're watching Friday the 13th. Part four. Part four, yeah. Does this one have a special name? Yes, it does, actually. Oh, actually, it does. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is the first one. Okay, are you going to tell me, or is it spoilers? Well, I was going to. Okay. Okay, it's Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Oh, bullshit. The final chapter, yeah. Bullshit. Final chapter. I know there are, what, eight more of these after this? This is not the final chapter. No, 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 The final chapter. Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Before we get into the movie. Don't be a naysayer. I'm not going to, okay, I won't naysay. You know what? This is the last one. After this, we're done. So, and this is something, so while we're on the topic of Friday the movies with, like, titles after the, what is that called? The epithet? Epithet? Yeah. Yeah. I remembered one that you told me a while ago, earlier today, and I lost my mind. Oh, you mean yesterday, right? Like no, no. W- when we recorded the other day. No, no, no. I, you told me one a while ago, and I just remembered it. Oh. I thought you said you remembered what I told you earlier today, and I was like, the fuck are you talking about? No. And I just want to bring it up now because I forgot how re- I don't know what number this is, okay? When are we going to watch, what is it, Jason Takes Manhattan? Or something or whatever? <laughs> what the fuck is that? What does it sound like? It sounds ridiculous. I just thought I'd bring it up because I was scrolling. And this is how I'm going to segue this into my other thing I wanted to talk about before we start the movie. I was I remembered that, and then I was in a Twitter thread. You mean an X thread? Uh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I, no one's going to – I'm not going to call it X. I don't care what Elon – unless he gives me a lot of money, and then I might. Other than that, I you know, you can pay me off, Elon. I'll call it X if you want, if you give me a million dollars. Anyway, I wasn't threatened. It was people talking about, like, what are the best horror franchises? And, of course, some were brought up Friday the 13th because they were like, oh, it's great, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Some were brought up that I we've seen the first two movies in but not the third one? What? Night of the Demons. Yeah. I'm going to put this into the world right now. For you. I'm just saying this on the podcast. Screenbox has a three-box Blu-ray set. Are you serious? Because I want to watch the third one really bad. Yeah. Because I like the first two a you lot. Go, you can go buy it. Okay. I thought I would bring it up on the podcast, not only to hold you accountable so we can watch it maybe, but also just to let you know that it exists and we might want to watch it sometime. There's no accountability. We just couldn't find the third movie. That's true. That's back when we were doing... Oh, God. I was looking at the seasons by playlist. Yeah. Season one has 15 episodes. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Season two has like 12, and season three and four both have 10. Yeah. Like a normal amount of episodes. Well, actually, that's probably an abnormal amount of episodes. Well, I mean, for uh, for the format we use, 10 is like what we normally want. 10 is like the minimum, right? Like right. each season is supposed to be 10 episodes, but then we have multiple parts and stuff. But 10 is like unlikely, because that means I, I chose no series that mm. had... Multiple movies. Season two only had ten, I think. Uh, where I've, I chose no series that had multiple movies that made sense to watch. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, obviously happens. It's just unlikely. I think season four only had ten, too. Yeah, it did. Yeah. We've had, I think, two seasons in a row. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to bring it up because, A, I want to watch it. B, I, just interesting that we haven't. I don't, And I wanted to put it in your mind as a thought. What, Night of the Demons 3? Yeah. Well, that, we'll eventually get back to it. That can sit in the, the corner of the room with all the other series we haven't finished. <sighs> yeah, I know. Garbage. It's not. I I like those movies. The trash man. I almost started into the monologue he gives when he (laughs) enters, but I stopped myself. Yeah. God, that episode's so good. Have you seen the newest episode of Sonny? No, Bob. Oh, it's called Dennis Takes a Mental Health Day. You don't. No, stop. Just stop talking. It's so good. It's hilarious. This isn't the place. Okay. Yeah. Stop bringing up. It's always Sonny, Bob. You just need to stop yourself. Yeah, it's me. Self control. It's always me. It's never you. It's always Bob. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we can talk about Friday the 13th Part 4 now. The final chapter. It is the final chapter. My ass. Last movie in the Friday the 13th franchise. It came out in 1984. There's been none since then. What was the last one? 80, 81? Or 83? 82, Bob. 82? So, okay, a longer a longer period. It's been like two years, yeah. That's kind of nice. We're almost caught up to where they are in the actual timeline of that movie franchise. Yeah, almost. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> All right, description. Jason's final appearance. No, it's not. Why do you keep lying to me? It is. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. It's an hour and 31 minutes long. Okay. It's rated R. Okay. Review scores. IMDb gave it a 6.0 out of 10. Okay. Tomato meter gave it a 24%. Oh. And the audience score a 51%. Okay. I'm At this point, I'm kind of over the tomato meter scores for these movies because, like, they're not... I'm just, I'm just saying this. They're not critically acclaimed films. They're just fun. Yep. So I don't really care about the critic score all that much anymore. I've kind of gotten past those being low. All right. Two nominations. Nothing to write home about there. Okay. Um, Because they were all for, like, DVD stuff. Uh, not again. And also, like, Saturn Awards again. Not again, bro. Jesus. All right. Notable actors. Kimberly Beck as Trish Jarvis. Uh, she played Sally in The Big Blue. Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis. Uh, he played Mouth in The Goonies. Oh! Sorry to interrupt again. I just, I know who that is, so that was cool. I know, you should. Yeah, I love The Goonies. Can we watch The Goonies on the podcast? Is that a horror movie? Yeah, maybe. Please, that'd be fun. Uh, Eric Anderson as Rob Deere uh, played Bob Gaylord in Unfaithful. <laughs> you calling me a Gaylord right now? <laughs> you said that, oh my god. <sighs> Peter Parton as Doug Bell played Jeff in Hell Knight. Crispin Glover as Jimmy Mortimer. Uh, he played George McFly in Back to the Future. Oh, I knew the name. I didn't know who it was. He's the Dan. Yeah. Clyde Hayes as Paul Guthrie, played uh, Stephen in Neon Maniacs. Barbara Howard as Sarah Parkington, played Robin Agretti from Falcon Crest. They were on 27 episodes from 1985 to 86. Lawrence Monison as Ted Cooper played Ben in Mask. Joan Freeman as Tracy Jarvis, played Kathy Lean and Roustabout. Judy Aronson as Samantha Lane, who played Hilly in Weird Science. Oh, good movie. Camilla Moore as Tina Moore. They played Leslie in The Dark Side of the Moon. Carrie Moore as Terry Moore. They played Maul Flanders, Vampire, and One's Bidden. Okay. Uh, Bruce Mahler as Coronel 
Axel Burns. Uh, they played Doug Fackler in Police Academy. And then finally, Lisa Freeman as Nurse Robbie Morgan. Uh, they played Babs in Back to the Future. Okay. And once again, we'll talk about Jason after after yeah. the movie. Can you remind me? Because I, I should remember this. What's the name of the Jason actor from uh, Part 3? Because I can't remember, but I want to... Because I'm assuming at some point, multiple Jasons are going to be the same guy. Uh, Richard Brooker. Okay. Because i, I got to leave that in my pool of guesses. But I'll decide later, because I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. Yeah, we've had like six or seven Jasons. There have been so many point. in four movies. It's crazy. But we only count like five of them. Yeah. Ridiculous. Director. Uh, Joseph Zito. Oh, a different director. Okay. He's also directed Missing in Action. The writers, there's two of them. There's Barney Cohen, who did the screenplay. He's also written 68 episodes of Forever Night between 1992 and 96. Uh, and then the story by credit goes to Bruce Hidemi Sakao. He also wrote Secret War in 2003. Hmm. Not not Marvel Secret War. No, yeah. I was trying. I was like, huh? No. Uh, the budget is estimated at 2.6 million, with a box office turnout of 32.98 million. Jesus Christ! Country of origin, United States, also known as Friday the 13th Part Four, the final chapter, which is mm-hmm. you know the alternative title tagline. Jason is back, and this is the one you've been screaming for. Look, after three, I'm excited. All right, I really don't have a lot of facts for you going into this. Okay. First off, and like right off the bat, this is the final chapter of Friday the 13th, and it's named as such because it was actually intended to be the last Friday the 13th movie. They really wanted to end after this, huh? Mm -hmm. In fact, they wanted to end after the third one. Oh. I mean, yeah, because like, and they could have. Spoilers here. Jason essentially dies at the end of that movie. Yeah. In the same way that he essentially dies after the end of the second movie. Mm -hmm. So on, so forth. But, like, the third one was intended to be the end of the character. But, surprise, surprise, they didn't put any epithet to, like, tell the audience that it was the final chapter. Yeah. They made the third one. So it was, quote-unquote, too open-ended for the studio to leave it at that. And also money. And I so mean, they were yeah. like, we'll just try. We'll try again. We'll try again to end it. And so they were like, but this is the real end. It's the final chapter. Okay. And so they're, like, actually gung-ho to try. And there's kind of two reasons for that. Because even though these films were making money, uh, they weren't well-respected, like, critically. Mm-hmm. And basically, the only people who really liked them were horror fans, which in the 80s wasn't a big deal. Yeah, but it still made money. Like, I don't know. It did make money, but basically the producer, Frank Mancuso Jr., uh, was kind of just tired of making them. Because it was kind of like... I mean, yeah, he would made them, what, three in... Well, he made... Two, he produced the third one, and mm-hmm. the executive produced this one. His dad produced the first one, and he actually worked, I think, crew on the second one. That's cool. He's been doing it, essentially, for a little bit. and it, for I think for him, it was kind of like a blight, you know? Where, like, he really liked liked it, but he was just getting a lot of, or a lack of respect for, like, his work. So it was just like, mm-hmm. let's just end it. No, I mean, that's fair. And go out on a high note. But the other reason, and I think this one is a lot more obvious is that slashers were just kind of dying. The the genre had peaked, and the bubble has burst by 1984, and they're kind of on the the decline there. So, you know, Paramount had recognized that and just kind of like, let's let's maybe end this while we can and still make money, a lot of money. (laughs) A lot of money for the amount of money they're putting in. Now, obviously, since there's 12 movies in this franchise, 
this would not be the final chapter. Mm. Uh, and there would go on to be more, but they I mean, do it's try. good to know that they actually wanted to end it. That they were actually like, yeah, this is the last one. We're done. And it's then, nice. for my last fact, is obviously, you know, he's back. Huh? He's back. Who? Him. Why am, am I supposed to understand something here? No, but I thought I'd be dramatic dramatic about it. Who is back, Ben? He's back. You're being so vague. <laughs> and, like, I don't understand. It's Tommy Boy. Yeah, but it's... He's back. He's back? Yeah. He, was, he hasn't been here yet. Tom's back. Oh! <laughs> I was like, why are we? Why are you talking about Tommy Jarvis right now? No, wait, he's back for this one? Are you serious? Yeah, Tom Savini came back for this one. That's really cool. That's exciting. Because, like, Tom Savini was like, well, if we're going to end it, <laughs> I'm going to end it. <laughs> That's exciting for me because, like, not that the non-Tom Savini films, so I think, are th- two and three, or have bad effects. No, but Bob has a hard-on for Tom Savini. I do, man. All the stuff he does, he, like, man, ha- the boy has golden hands. Have you heard that saying? He's a grown man. He's not a little boy. But, like, <laughs> th- he just, everything he touches is amazing. Like, it's just, he has such, he's so good at what he does, dude. <laughs> 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 That's a sunny mm. reference. That was a visual gag, guys. A visual gag <laughs> I'm on sorry. the audio podcast. Um, no, I just, I, I like him. I'm very excited to see what he does. Because, also, it's the last one. They're probably going to go fucking buck wild. Okay, well, we're going to go watch the movie. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished Friday the 13th, part four. The final chapter. Yeah, the final chapter. Yeah. It All was, right. It was the final one. It's been chaptered. Yeah. Final, there's no more Friday nope. the 13th. There's only four. Yep. There's not 12. Nope. Divide that number in three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I got some stuff to talk about, and I'm just going to let you guys know now. There's probably going to be a, a good amount of spoilers for this movie. Yeah, and a the, lot of stuff happens. And the franchise up to this point Yeah, uh, throughout this review. And we'll keep the heavy spoilers again in the end. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you can skip those, but you should have seen this movie before you listen to us talk about it. Yeah. If you don't want any spoilers. And you should have also listened or watched the original three mm-hmm. at this point, too, if you want to be, like, clear spoilers on those. But... On that note, I'm going to try and do a as spoiler-free as possible kind of uh, summary here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's your little taste if you still haven't watched it. But roughly what happens in this movie is exactly what you expect. <laughs> a bunch of horny teens go out to a cabin near Crystal Lake and then uh, be horny. And Jason smells it. He knows, bro. He knows. <laughs> he always knows. And he's like, bonk, no horny. <laughs> yeah. The bonks are a lot more sharp this time. Yeah, he takes care of it. There is, however, more than that. First of all, there's a second family. Basically, yeah. another family lives right next door to mm-hmm. the cabin all the horny kids are at. So, a mom, the daughter, and the little boy, mm-hmm. Tommy Jarvis. And the dog. And the dog, Gordon, Gordon. Ramsay, uh, are all all together there, too. So, yeah. that That's really it. Yeah. There's not much more to it. I mean, yeah. I at this point, look, if you're coming into one of these movies, you want something other than Jason shows up and kills a bunch of horny teens, you're not here for the right reasons. Right, yeah. So, um, okay, well, spoiler warning, because we're just actually going to talk about it now. Yeah. Hope you thought that was a great uh, summary. All right, first thing, right off the bat, kind of a spoiler, but this movie takes place right after part three. Yep. 
you know, I think we talked about it already in the opening, where, like, part three was supposed to be the end. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of had to go, well, we kind of killed Jason in that one. What do we yeah. do now? And the response to that is to start exactly right after part three mm-hmm. ends. Um, like, it's all the police are there cleaning up. The bodies from part three. The bodies, including Jason's. Yeah. And, you know, Jason gets carted off to the morgue. Mm-hmm. And that's where we do kind of, like, our opening stuff. Yeah, real cool. It's revealed that, like... You know, Jason's alive, obviously, for this movie to work. And then, uh, you know, he gets our original kills, which are pretty sick. They are cool. Also, we get some just generic pervy coroner guy named Axel, and that's pretty funny. And I I just want to say, his interactions with the nurse, and you know what, I'm always bad with names here. Nurse Robbie Morgan. Yeah. Also great. Mm -hmm. They're pretty funny together. They're pretty funny. But yeah, that that starts our movie. That's our cold open right there. And then, assumedly, Jason then walks out of the hospital <laughs> somehow leaves and makes his way back to uh crystal lake you know what i really like about that s- that op- cold open setup what jason in a new environment which we have yet to see which is cool in my opinion it's nice to see him go somewhere that is not the woods or generic cabin place yeah i mean i kind of like that setup because it it actually shows jason having to like recover for a minute yeah because you know, part three kind of started off a similar way mm-hmm. where they had, like, <laughs> Jason basically got killed at the end of part two. Yep. It was a lot more um, easily passed off as him being okay. Yeah. I mean, this was a grievous wound at he, the end of It three. was a head wound that should have yeah, killed him. Absolutely. Because it was intended to kill him. But whatever. But even then, like, in part two, we think he's dead. But we get to see him kind of recover in part three, mm-hmm. but it's just, like, implied. And so actually getting to see him, like, down for the count and then gets up. Yeah, I mean, he's down for a while. Is cool. Because they cart him, assumingly, like, a while away to a hospital. Then, like, he gets hauled into the morgue for a while because he's, like... A couple of hours at least. Yeah. He has to recover quite a bit, which is nice to see. Yeah. Also, what we're talking about, like, stuff right at the beginning. This movie, <laughs> as with every sequel so far, starts with, like, archived footage from the previous movies. However... Unlike part two and part three, which just start with like an egregious repeat of the end of the previous movie, mm-hmm. this one does something I actually really like with this what like movie start kind of thing. Yeah, this recap uh, where they they take the scene where Paul Holt, you know, good old Paul Holt, Paul Holt is basically telling his campfire story again. Mm-hmm. You know, egregious campfire story, but we get to see Mark again and, and Vicky. So yeah, that's we get to cool. see Mark. And then they interspersed, like, that footage and that audio clip with, like, a bunch of different scenes. Probably the most iconic scenes from every movie so far. Mm-hmm. Bunch of different kills. Bunch of different characters talking. Yeah. It's it's super, it's super cool. It's super good. It's so much better of a way to introduce the concept of what's happening in this film without giving you an egregious, like, scene-for-scene recap of the last ten minutes of the previous film. Yeah, and it, I think it also does a better job because it gives you a recap not only of the last film, or at least the the parts you actually need to know of it. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole franchise as a whole so far. Yeah. It shows, like, all kinds of cool stuff from the first one. It's great. Like, it's so thorough and so thematic that, A, it's enjoyable, mm-hmm. which is a shocking fact for something that's basically recap. But it's also, like, a good enough recap where you could just start the movie here. Yeah. Without watching one, two, or three. And follow along, like, completely fine. Yeah. Um, which I think is, is really well done. That also, like, additionally, that, like, archival footage stuff does some cool stuff with the editing to make some of the more funky scenes look good. Mm-hmm. Specifically the stuff from 3, which we've already talked about as 3D. And some of the stuff looks a little funky. Yeah. But I think they did a good job of matching the 
footage with the 2D footage from 1 and 2 without it standing out too much. Yeah, they did some definitely some touch-ups that made it look a lot better. I don't think they did touch-ups. I think it was just editing stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I that mean, made it look good. There was one specific kill that got pretty scuffed in 3, and when they re-showed it in 4, it looked so much better. I mean, yeah. Okay. Aside from that, I don't know. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Because... I just wanted to mention the beginning because we normally don't talk about the cold open mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And our, our setup stuff. Well, before we start getting into other stuff, we can talk about the music. We talk to the music on every episode. This one is still good. I like the music in this one too. Yeah. No, the music's great in this one. Manfredini, who, who's again doing the music for mm-hmm. this, puts in way more effort than he actually has to. He does, and it's really cool. Which is super cool, but it's also really funny because he's basically just taking his own score and just remastering it yeah. again. But he goes through the trouble, uh, especially in this movie, to, like, redo the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a lot more dramatic. There's, like, brass in it now. Mm-hmm. You know what? This Pretty movie, cool. I don't want to, I, I guess spoilers kind of, but not really. This movie takes on a very, I don't want to say different tone, but Jason feels so different in this film compared to every other film we've seen in him, seen him in. And the way he acts makes this feel almost akin to Halloween 2 in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Fuck you. Don't bring up Halloween 2. Hold on. (laughs) And what's cool about Halloween 2 is it's much more fast-paced. In this movie, I think, like, the way they treat Jason and the way they treat the score make it, they mash together really well because Jason feels so much more scary and, like, action killery, almost the way Michael does in 2. Yeah, that's completely fair. Really what's happened is Jason's out in the open now. Like, we've all seen him. It's been three films in. Yeah. So on the fourth film, they're like, fuck it. He doesn't need to be, like, hidden most of the time. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of just now a presence. I mean, obviously, we don't see him for the entire movie, but he's there, and we know he's there. Yeah. And I I think that helps with some of the intimidation factor, Mm -hmm. because we don't have to have this, who is there a killer? But also, the actor who plays Jason really takes him and makes him a lot faster moving Mm -hmm. and just a lot stronger. Yeah. In comparison to some to, like, the Jasons of the past. Mm-hmm. On that note, Bob, who do you think the Jason actor is? Okay, look, I've been wrong every time. Yeah. Yeah, you have. I could say Kane Hodder, because I know that's a good guess, but I don't know if they got Kane Hodder for this one or not. But I don't think it was the guy from the last one. Dick Warlock. It's not Dick Warlock, Bob. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> not going to be Dick Warlock. I want it to be Dick Warlock. You just think the name Dick Warlock's funny. I just like Dick Warlock. It's Ted White. Ooh. Ted White plays Jason. Okay. And that's... actually, interestingly enough, he's uncredited in this film as Jason. Well, wh- whose credit is Jason? No one. What? Yeah. Uh, he has to be uncredited, so. Oh, that's interesting. He, like, it was his actual decision. Oh, but, well, uh, okay, that's different then. I thought they just went, nah. No, but if no, he no. asked, like, that's cool. Yeah. Um. So if you watch the credit, it doesn't say, like, X plays Jason. No, it's huh. just no Jason actor. <laughs> that's weird. But yeah, he also played Grogan and uh, Romancing the Stone. You ever seen Romance Any Soon? Nope. It's got uh your main man, Danny DeVito, in it as a villain. Oh. You want to watch a villain Danny DeVito movie? Okay, I could just watch the uh, Batman that has him as the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I think Ted White does a great job. I think he's great. I think he's in really fact, awesome. I'd, I'd say he's probably one of the better Jason actors. He's my favorite one I think I've seen. Yeah. Cool dude. And he was older, even for a Jason actor. Really? Yeah. He died, like... Last year. Oh, man. Like, right when we started this podcast, actually. Oh, that sucks. Like, in October 2022. That is, like, right when we started yeah, the like show. Yeah, like, the end Holy of October. Shit. 
but he was like 96. Holy crap. So, you know, this happened 40 years ago. So he was like in, in his it, 50s when he late shot 50s. this. And there's a lot of physicality stuff in this. Yeah. So it, it's very impressive, especially because he is a lot more. I think physically involved than a mm-hmm. lot of the Jason actors we've seen, but yeah, he does a, he does a very good job. He's really good. Okay, anything else? I think I got a couple things I want to talk about. What do you got? Because I I'll come up with something maybe. We'll see. Okay. I mean, straight off the bat, I think the thing people know about this one is Tommy Jarvis is in this film. Yeah. Which, if you know anything about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, you probably recognize that name. I don't want to talk about it too much because we haven't like just we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that, I think, later. Mm-hmm. I think we should talk about when it comes up. Yeah, but he's in this film. And really, the thing you should know about him off the bat, because I think it's something that can like go over people's heads, especially if they don't know things about like behind-the-scenes stuff with how these movies were made and like the production crews and stuff. But Tommy Jarvis is named after Tom Savini. Oh, I didn't actually know that. Obviously, because Tom Savini, at least in some parts, helped make this series. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did the makeup and stuff. For one, yeah. and Including very specifically Jason. Like, Tom Savini made Jason mm-hmm. and, like, how he looks and everything. And so getting a character named after him is really, really cool. It is really cool. But it's not just the fact that, like, Tommy Jarvis is named after Tom Savini. Tommy Jarvis is basically Tom Savini's insert character. I hadn't thought about it because until you just said this. I thought you realized that during the movie. No! Well, I don't know what you realized then. Uh, but, yeah, Tom... Tommy Jarvis is Tom Savini because he's this little kid who is just super into practical effects. Like, he makes professional-grade monster bass. They're cool as fuck, In his spare time. They're really good. No sense because they are quite literally professional (laughs) monster bass. But they're they're really cool. He has a bunch of them in his room. Cool little kid. Yeah. He might be my favorite character in this whole film. He's so funny. No, he's great. He's, like, so entertaining to watch. He's great uh, in part because he's played, like... I think a realistic kid in this situation. Yeah, man. For the most part. Like a realistic cool kid. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's a pretty mature, pretty interesting child. But, like, he does a lot of things that I could totally see, a, what, a 10, 12-year-old doing. Mm-hmm. Like, at one point, he's going to sleep, and he sees the kids next door. Well, he sees a girl next door undressing, mm-hmm. and he just starts flipping out. He has no idea what to do. <laughs> He's just really excited, and he has no idea. So he starts, like, jumping on his bed and screaming into his pillow. It's and I'm hilarious. just like, wow, that's – I could see that happening for a Absolutely. child. No, I think what's so great about Tommy in this movie is he's a 10 or, like, 11-year-old, and every interaction he has with the horny teens across the street is hilarious. And just so – because they're just so, like – they horny? treat him. They, well, no, they just treat him like the way you expect them to treat a ten or eleven year old. Yeah, and it it just works so well. Yeah, it's nice. It's not just like fuck you. It's yeah. like, hey, Tommy. It's it's just so entertaining. Yeah, no, it's pretty great, and I I think that's a good lead into the fact that like while I don't think all the characters in this are like well written, there's a lot of like pretty two dimensional characters in this. Sure, film. There's just a lot of people too. And I, yeah, you're right. I think that is because there's a lot of people. Uh, we've gotten to a point in the franchise where we know, as the audience, and also the writers and creators know, as creators, that we're here for the kills. Mm-hmm. And so, like, our characters don't necessarily matter as much. Yeah. So they don't have to try as much. Mm-hmm. Which you know that has its own downsides because I think you can have a good horror movie with a bunch of characters that's like well written with good characters. Mm-hmm. It's harder. <laughs> you definitely don't need to put in that effort but it can help. However, well, this film, I I don't think 
puts in all that effort to get those really interesting characters. Um, what it does do is have interesting interactions, mm-hmm. which I just can't hype up enough because <laughs> once you start watching films like this, like slasher films, um, that you know are aware of that genre trope of hey, you're just here for the kills. It doesn't matter about the characters. You run into this issue of like just boring scenes, yeah, where you you have to set up all the characters, and it's just a slugfest of just oh my god, when is something going to happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's my biggest gripe about the first movie, and that's fair. Where it's just a bunch of boring stuff, and I mean, the third film's kind of like that too. Yes, that was my. That's what I was gonna say. The third one feels like that for me. I at least enjoy the first one because it's like supposed to be a slow whodunit suspense yeah. film. And in three, it's just like, Jesus Christ, I don't care. Just somebody kill someone. I know. I mean, I we've talked about the first one where it's like part of the issue. It feels so slow. is secondary watch, tertiary, stuff like that. Yeah. I've seen it a couple times. But the third one, it's just slow because like it needs something entertaining before the kills. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't live up to this one. That does do that. Like it has entertainment between the kills. And it's pretty Yeah, great. man. All of the, like, you already said it, but the characters are not well written, but they interact with each other in some of the most ridiculous, hilarious ways, and they, there's, like, actual, like, intermittent character drama that's happening that you're kind of, sort of invested in, because why not? It's not super interesting. No, but it's entertaining. But it's at least entertainment, and I think this is a great time to mention that Crispin Glover. Good old Jimmy. (laughs) Jimmy. Just, like... The most outrageous character ever, first of all. Yeah. But just very entertaining. Dead fuck. <laughs> no, that's Ted Delling in that the whole movie. <laughs> I know. Can we call that episode this episode You Dead Fuck? <laughs> just asking. I don't know. I haven't come up with a good title yet. All right. But yeah, no, uh <laughs> Yeah, there's just a lot of little things in there that keep it entertaining because mm-hmm. I mean there is a long stretch of time in this movie where there's just no Jason. Which you know what? I'm not complaining about. But it's not like horrible like it goes by pretty fast yeah um it's kind of nice a lot's happening and, it's and nice. i think taking the time and this is something i wish three had done more of taking the time with the characters outside of the jason stuff and like kind of establishing them and their interactions with each other in a better way makes when they die not like poignant because it's a slash you know like they're you gonna don't die. care yeah but it's just more entertaining yeah no it, it's you actually at least remember the characters yeah I mean, which is not something I can necessarily say for the last film. Yeah. And the big thing also is like, it's a good mix up adding in this extra spice of, oh, there's a secondary group of people here with the family with uh, Trish and her mom and Tommy around, too. Mm -hmm. It adds some more interaction stuff that's really fun. Yeah. Okay. Aside from that, I mean, I think the next thing to mention is like all the basic, basic stuff. Practical effects look really, really good. Oh, man. We're going to talk about that uh, in the spoiler section. Yeah. We do need the reference. There's some really, 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 really good ones in this. But looks really good and great kills. Super Mm -hmm. creative. Oh, man. Some of my favorite kills. You get to see them. Yeah. Yeah. So all good marks there. Tom Savini uh, has definitely gotten better since the first movie. I mean, it's been three years for him. Yeah. uh, And that's expected. Aside from that, I think cinematography is pretty good in this movie. It's a lot better. Especially in the last one. Like, we talked about in 3 how there's a lot of issues with lighting because of the 3D camera, where it's basically bright all the time. Yeah. Um, which takes away from the suspense. And this film doesn't use 3D cameras. So it's able to, like, use actually, like, thematic lighting. And be dark. And, and be scary. dark, yeah. But what this film does that I think is better than Part 2, and even to an extent the original, is that, like, there's almost no scenes where it's so dark it's hard to see. Mm-hmm. That was a, a big issue, I think, for the second film for us. Yeah. Watching it. 
uh, where there was good stretches of time where it was hard to see <laughs> what was happening at all on our setup. And I, I know that has to do somewhat with our actual setup of it's not necessarily completely dark in here all the time. And we have a, what, an LED TV, which yeah. isn't really great for brightness. But I mean, I'm sure most of you have those same conditions. And so that's probably a, a similar problem that you might have. But this film really didn't have that. I think there was only one scene where I was like, that's really dark and I can't really see what's happening. Yeah, and it's honestly not even that bad. But it's not bad because I think it's a scene where you're not really supposed to see what no, happens. Because, like, there's implications in the scene. Oh, there is some heavy, very explicit implications. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, there like, are. You might even say they're being screamed at you. <laughs> oh, no. Can we call it that? <laughs> I, mean, I think we can. We'll talk about we'll that talk in the about spoiler, spoiler section. Because it's really funny. Oh, it's so bad, though. It Look, that's another thing. The dialogue in this movie is not good. No, uh, we we already brought up the dead fuck thing. There is a a a, a long running joke that definitely didn't need to be a long running joke, no. or even a joke at all. No, where Ted and Jiminy, who for some reason are the two main characters of the horny teen group, and I don't know why. I feel like it should be Sarah and Paul. Yeah, or um, uh, what's the other one? I don't know their names. Sam and... No, it was Sam and Paul, and then Sarah and... What's the other guy's name? I don't know. I don't know if he got a name. I don't remember that guy's name. Basically, there's two couples, and then the two single dudes. Mm -hmm. And it honestly feels like the two couples, at least one of them, should be the focus of the horny group. Yes! Because they have, like, drama and dynamic stuff mm -hmm. going. But no, instead, it's Ted, who's the goofball fuck-up character of yeah. this film, and Jimmy, who's just, like... I don't know. Horny? The weird, like, he's kind of like the weird guy. Yeah. But not as much of a fuck up as Ted. Yeah. But anyways, they're the focus of the whole movie. And it basically introduces the horny teens with horniness, by the way. Yeah. Shockingly enough. because I think Jimmy literally goes, I'm so horny. He does say that after the whole dead fuck thing. But they start talking about how um his girl, I think, broke up with him. Yeah. And Ted's like, well, let me analyze my computer. And he starts beep-booping. I think they're like cores in front of him or something. It's a box. I think it's like multiple boxes of beer. And he's like, ah, the computer says you're a dead fuck. And so the whole film is Ted ripping on Jimmy for being a dead fuck. Not a funny joke, but it's no. just there. It's. I think it's entertaining. And I, I mean, I think that exemplifies a lot of the dialogue in this film. Where it's not great. And sometimes the acting isn't great either. But it's so egregious that it's just kind of fun. Yeah. Like, I think that's a good takeaway about, from this film. It's fun and horny. It's, mm -hmm. it's probably the horniest film so far. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of boobs in this movie. Yeah. Lots of ass, too. Lots of lots of nudity, but also just, like, lots of characters just having sex. Yep. Like, more, more central to the plot than any of the films so far, including three, which basically almost starts with the line, sex, sex, sex. That's all you think about. Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else, or can we go to the spoiler section? Oh, so I don't know if you think this is a spoiler, but should we talk about Jason, how Jason looks in this? Because that's, I mean, that's something I want to talk about. I'm going to save that for the spoiler section. Okay. I, I do have a reason. Sure. That okay. works. No, I think uh, we can go talk about spoilery stuff now. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that if you do not want any major spoilers for this film, please skip to 56 minutes and 54 seconds immediately. Once again, that's 56 minutes and 54 seconds immediately for no major spoilers. Okay, so, we're back. Yep. Not that we went anywhere, but no. maybe you did. 
you could have, yeah. And if you did, you're not hearing this right now. So not like that matters. All right. You know, as always, we're just gonna assume you've seen the whole movie now. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start spitting shit because I don't. You know, that's what this section's for. Because honestly, it's my favorite part of the podcast. We'll talk about the crazy shit in this movie. All right. So, um, straight off the bat, I think we can just talk about how Jason looks because you just brought that up. Sure. I think he looks really good. I was gonna ask if you like the way Jason looks. I do. Yeah, I think he looks pretty decent in this film. Uh, I think the only part that looks a little funky is once he's been macheted in the head. Oh. And he's, like, sliding down the blade. Mm -hmm. However, I think that looks so funky because it's, like, an animatronic, I think. Is that an animatronic? Well, yeah, because you can see the eye moving as he's, like, sliding down the blade. That's crazy. And, like, you know, just twitching and stuff. It's. I think it looks pretty great, honestly. No, it, it looks good. It just looks a little funky. But that's just practical effect stuff. But, yeah, I think he looks pretty good. He just looks very different from mm -hmm. the Jason we see in 2 and 3. And do you know why that is? Oh, because Tom Savini. Right, but do you know why he looks the way he does in this film? No. Okay. He looks like how Jason looked in the first movie. Mm. Just bigger. Bigger! Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's the same kind of like facial structuring and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, obviously, yeah, Tom Savini. Uh, but I think it's cool that like he kind of looked back at his work and was like, I'm just going to do that again. <laughs> you just got to upscale it. Just upscale it. I think that's especially impressive because we see so like little of that in the first movie. Yeah, I mean, you get what? Three seconds. Yeah, like three frames maybe? And you barely see it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, like Tom Savini would remember doing the makeup on that. But I, th I think it's cool that he took something that was a small thing and then made it actually big screen worthy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it looks pretty cool. I mean, I think it's I think it's probably the best looking Jason so far. Mm -hmm. I think three. No, I, I think he looks pretty great. Three's a close second. Three's a close second. The only thing about three that I enjoy more is that Jason is really expressive in three. Yeah. But, but in this, he's not as expressive, but I don't really care about that as much in this one because yeah. he is just a murder machine at this point. And then uh, two is not great. Two is not great. Okay. Aside from that, I mean, I think the big thing to note in this film for spoiler stuff, Tommy Jarvis like mercs Jason. Oh my God. Like straight up cuts his head in half. He destroys that man. The and man, it's awesome. We get to watch Jason fall down on the axe, and it gets pushed through like the rest of his head. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he does the horror movie thing where he starts moving again somehow with his brain half cut. And then we see Tommy pick up the machete and in slow motion begin hacking at his face and shit. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And yeah, like Jason just fucking dies. Yeah. Like straight I mean, up. I don't know how. Look, I'm going to be honest. Part five, why the fuck is he still here? He McFucking died. I, I mean, I can tell you if you want. We'll get there. Okay. I mean, look, I'm going to have to wait how many days? We'll... Spoiler, we record these really close together because we're trying to get through them all. I'm not going to have to wait that long to find out. Like five days? Yeah, I'll be fine. Okay. But yeah, Jason fucking dies. And it's super egregious and super, like, explicit. Yeah, super cool death. And once again, that's because this was supposed to be the last one. Mm -hmm. So they, they get to go extra hard killing Jason. Especially because, and I, I think this comes back to the fact that Tommy Jarvis is the Tom Savini analog. Tom Savini came back for this film because, like, he made Jason. He feels like, I think, I think Tom Savini's, quite literally, I think his reasoning was, I made him. I should get to kill him. And so it, it's very on the nose that the character that kills Jason is Tommy Jarvis, which is Tom Savini's input. Like, he's analog. That makes sense. I hadn't thought about it. And it's, it's super on the nose. I, I think it's, it's, it's a really sweet send-off for the character. Oh, yeah. Or it, it would have been. Was but supposed to be. It's not. Okay. 
Do you have anything else you want to talk about in the spoiler section? Yeah, man. Okay. Since oh, we got to talk about the kills. I forgot about that. Well, yeah, but that's the, that's the thing. Okay, so this is something that I mentioned in the pre-spoiler section, but now I'm going to go hard because I don't fucking care because I can talk about whatever I want. Michael, not Michael, <laughs> Jason becomes, like, uber strong in this film. He's always been uber strong. He's always been uber strong, but it's never been this explicit about it. There is There are a couple moments where he just, like, Michael's through doors. Just runs through those bitches like Michael does. It's awesome. I mean, I think you mean he Jason's through doors. Michael did it first. No, Jason through doors. Jason did it better. I don't even... Th- well, maybe. Well, no. Jason wins. I'm sorry. <sighs> no, bro. Out of all the movies you've seen for the Halloween and the Friday the 13th franchise, which one has more good movies? Well, Halloween has four. Four good movies? Yeah. Take away a finger. No. Take away a finger. Absolutely not. Take away a finger. This one, I would say, has three. Four. You're saying all four? Yeah. I don't like three that much. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I don't like three that much either. But also, I would say Halloween 1, 2, 3, and 4 are all good. I don't know about four. Four is okay. Four is fine. I think I kind of feel really, about I, four yeah. the same way I feel about three. That's completely fair. So we're <laughs> actually, at this point, we're evenly matched on the table, okay? Fair enough, but... Okay, but yeah, um, Jason's super strong in this. I think the the coolest example of him just being super strong, besides the fact that he just hoists people up and shit. Yeah, and man. Th- throws objects through walls and shit. It's so cool. Is that he's like, he's pinned up people like to display their bodies. Yeah. Which is really cool. I think it harkens back to his days as a woodsman where he'd be in the woods and he'd have to <laughs> hang up bodies once he kills them. Yeah. No, it, it does make sense in a way that no, it, like. No, it does. I just did hadn't considered it, and I thought the way you described it was funny. Well, so, like, okay, so in Halloween, right? Yeah. Michael, he does this weird thing where he'll kill bodies, or kill bodies, kill people, walking bodies. And then he'll, like, hide them and put them up places. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Like, when he kills the one person and puts them by that, that big object with a name on it. <laughs> well, yeah. That makes sense, right? Yeah, sure. But the rest of his, like, oh, I killed this person, let me move their body in the hide it so it jumps out it jump scares later that doesn't really make sense no however for jason it kind of does because like apparently in this universe and the 234 universe jason was like a woodsman kind of huntsman guy for like a while 22 years <laughs> 20 is it 22 yeah i thought it was like 27 are you accounting for the oh, weird no, five year time five year time skip that's bizarre uh, yep. so yeah for 27 years he was, like, a woodsman guy, and uh, that means he was, like, hunting and killing animals and stuff. And, and so yeah. a part of that, when you're hunting an animal, is you have to, like, pick hang it up, up to drain. And then hang it up to drain, which feels a lot like what he's doing with these bodies in this film specifically. That's fair. Like, I hadn't really thought about it. He'll pin them up with knives, mm-hmm. uh, and very specifically, he takes one of the bodies... And he, like, spreads the Basically arms out. Basically crucifies the man. But that's kind of what you do when you're, like, skinning something. Yeah, when you would hang up a deer. So, I, I mean, I think it makes more sense than with some killers like Michael to have that body movement stuff. No, that's fair. More explicitly than just, like, we got to set up the final girl circuit. That being said, I do bring specifically that kill where he has the guy splayed out uh, with his ha- arms out. Oh. Because I think it's one of the best shows of strength. Mm-hmm. Because the guy has his arms spread out eagle right in front of a door. So that yeah. when the final girl opens the door and gets scared, because there's a body there, she runs away. One of the coolest practical effects in this film, I think, is from that kill, because Jason comes by later and pulls him down, and his hands like get ripped. That's off what I was gonna it. say. I think it's probably the the biggest show of strength because he's shoved knives. First of all, 
through mm-hmm. both of his hands. Yeah. But they're going through all the bones in his hands, and Jason just pushes him, and the hands rip off. And it's, it's just like awesome. a great show of just how physically imposing he mm-hmm. is. I mean, I think that's pretty great. I, I think that's a good jumping off point for talking about some of these kills. Uh, yeah. They're all pretty creative. They're all pretty fucking I, I, sick. I don't yeah. have a, an issue with, I think, any of them. No. They're all cool. Even the one kill we can't really see. Mm-hmm. We do get to see the effects of later. <laughs> and it's good. Um, however, even though we can't see it, we do get to hear it happen. And it's so brutal. We just hear screaming, but not in pain. No. no we hear the guy go, he's killing me. He's killing me. <laughs> It's so fucking <laughs> stupid, but also incredibly funny. Oh, it's so funny because it's so it's such like bad acting. Yeah, from a character who has not acted that badly the whole movie. No, he's so actually far. pretty good. It just feels like they gave him no line notes. They were just like, "All right, uh, pretend you're being killed." It's really, really funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, lots of creative stuff we got, <laughs> and I will say a lot of them are set up. Like you kind of expect them. I was gonna mention this. A lot of the kills in this movie are creative, but they're also, like, they do a lot of really, really, really good, like, setup for the kills and foreshadowing on how it's going to happen to where you see it coming, but it's so satisfying when you see it. Yeah, it's cathartic. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think that's a good way to do it, and it shows a lot of forethought going into them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best examples is one of the characters is like, where's the wine cork? That's the one and I love so much. the second he says that, you're like, oh. Oh, my God. He's going to get killed with the wine cork. And, you know, of course that does happen, except he doesn't necessarily get killed with the wine cork. No. What you don't expect is it goes into his hand. And restrains him. And restrains him. And then he gets, like, a cleaver to the face. It's awesome. And there's a bunch of stuff like that. Like, um, I think one of the cooler kills in this film is we see someone, like, hop on a raft Mm -hmm. in the middle of a lake. Yep. Naked. Of course. Why not? And you're like, something's going to happen here with the raft. They're in a boat in the water, and Jason's about. And, you know, you expect for just something to come up, I Mm -hmm. think, underneath. Yeah, because it's explicitly a rubber raft. But instead of something just coming up from underneath, no, Jason pops up over top, holds it down, and then stabs through. Mm -hmm. You know, just lots of stuff that like that that's just a good setup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, throughout the film, it just has stuff like that. And, again, very good practical effects. So good. Some cool hand gore stuff. If yeah. you're not comfortable with like uh, some body horror involving hands, mm-hmm. maybe not the film. Because like we said, there's that tear scene, but there's another really good one. where someone That one surprised me because of how it happens. It's so cool. Oh, and you see things move afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I was just going to ask you if you have something. Oh, yeah. So we didn't talk about the we haven't talked about the cold open kills. Because that might be the rea- kills that got the most reaction from me because they're fucking awesome. Yes, but I also think you're don't you're not expecting them. Yeah, I really wasn't. Because the kills are so much more, not necessarily graphic, but more like I don't know, intense. Yeah. Than the last film. Because mm-hmm. I think the last film, while they were pretty graphic, <laughs> they lacked some of the realism mm-hmm. because of the goofiness of the 3D. That's fair. I hadn't and really so thought like of these kills, hey, they're. There's a slow buildup, so when they hit you, they hit you fast. Mm-hmm. But it's just like an immediate tonal set when you just see like blood and gore, and it's just like, oh, that character's dead immediately. Yeah, it's. I, I just want to talk about the first one of the cold of the practical. Or I can't even speak because I'm so. The flustered. first one of the cold open. The first one from the cold open is you know Jason's in a hospital, so Jason has access to new stuff because he's in a hospital. He takes a fucking bone saw. And goes to cut a man's head off. You're like, oh, he's going to cut his head off. He gets about, I don't know, a 
quarter of the way through. No, he does one pull on the He does like saw. one pull and then just fucking twist his neck all the way around. You get to see the whole thing. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it's like one of the, at least for me, it was like the setup of like, oh yeah, he's uber strong now. Yeah. Like it was the establishing like, oh shit, he's like Michael levels of ridiculous strong. It, and I mean, he's been strong that, like this strong the whole time. It just hasn't been as explicit with it. Yeah. It's super good. Do you have anything else to add? About kills specifically or just general spoilers? General stuff in this section. <sighs> the very end. Because we haven't... Uh, we talked about that. Huh? We talked about that. Well, the implication thing at the very, very end. Oh. Yeah. Because I don't know if I like it or not because it's well, it's a bit of a trope at this point. I've seen it in multiple other films and it's fine. Basically, they close up the film. I'm just going to say Trish survives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Tommy's sister. And she's in the hospital and she's talking to the cop and she's like, can I see my brother? I was like, yeah, for a minute. And Tommy Jarvis comes in with his head still all shaved and stuff, which I just want to mention now because we haven't so far. Kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, It's a good way to, like, make his whole special effects stuff make sense. Yeah, it'd be useful. Like, the fact that he's able to very quickly, like, do himself up to look like how young Jason looked. Young Jason looked. To, like, trick Jason to get him mm-hmm. to slow down enough for his sister to, like, hit him. I also think it's a nice little reference to Friday the 13th Part 2, mm-hmm. which so far is probably one of the better films. At least ending-wise. Yeah, that's fair. But anyways, Tommy Jarvis is still looking a little bit young Jason-esque. And he goes and he hugs his sister. And then we hear the um, stuff playing Mm -hmm. with the theme song. Implying that Jason is dead, but he lives on in Tommy. Yeah, and then it slow motion focuses on Tommy just like opening his eyes and staring Mm -hmm. into the camera creepily. You didn't like that? It's fine. Yeah. I don't hate it, but it's just something that I'm like... I don't know, kind of tired of, because I've seen it in a lot of other films. Yeah. I, what What are you talking about specifically? Uh, The end of Halloween 4. Mm. Uh, the end of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. Here's some other ones. But yeah, I just, like, it's, I don't hate the idea of a killer passing on after the killer has died and becoming a different person, but I'm just kind of like, I would like to see it done in more creative ways, I guess. Yes, but you have to understand that A, this one did it first. Fair enough. Because this beat Halloween 4 by Four years. Yeah. But also, like, it's the result of trying to end a killer, like, with some finality. Because it's like, we've killed the main antagonist of this franchise, which, great, had a good movie. But what do we do now in case we want to make another movie? I mean, fair enough. Because, you know, when you're making a film like this, well, there is always the uh, chance your killer could come back for another film. You usually don't want that. Um, and so you usually have to set up potentially something else mm-hmm. that you could use. And I mean, I think this is the most simple way to do that. It's fair. Additionally, I think what works so well about this end scene, because like I'm a little iffy on it too. I think it's a little funky, especially because, you know, surprise, surprise, there's more Friday the 13th films with Jason. So I think it seems a little funky in retrospect. But I, I do think the other thing that's nice about it is that it implies that like Tommy Jarvis isn't okay. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't think he should be okay. It's pretty traumatic what he had yeah. to do and what he witnessed. So understandable. And I mean, like right before he's introduced in this last scene, the cop goes, "Yeah, he's he's perfectly fine." And I I think this is a nice little like switch up on that of like, no, he's not. He's he's messed up, and yeah, he's not going to be okay. And so, and I think in that aspect, it's pretty nice. You have anything else? I don't think I have anything else. Okay, um, then I have two more things to add before we like move on, and then do our reviews and stuff. Mm-hmm. First of all, from what I know, and I, I don't know too much about this, uh, because again, don't have access to Blu-rays and shit, <laughs> but the way 
Jason dies in this film was not like the original intended way he was supposed to die. Okay. Apparently, I think Tom Savini was the one who suggested that this original kill. There was supposed to be, I think it was like a microwave contraption that blew his head up that Tommy would use. That'd be pretty sick. Because uh, it'd just be pretty sick to look at. Mm-hmm. But I think one of like uh, one of the producers or stuff was like, make it a little less big. Mm. I think because even though they were trying to end the franchise and kill off the character, there was a little thing in the back of people's minds going, maybe we should make it so he could potentially come back. Fair enough. And so I think that's why this isn't like he just explodes. But I mean, I, I think it is p- still pretty explicit that he dies. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I mean, he's definitely dead. And then the other thing I want to mention, because I think it's kind of important, is that there was, um, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but like sometimes to get a really good movie, you have directors that are particularly like harsh. Oh, no. And I mean, w- what's the really famous one? Like Kubrick? Yeah, who would like emotionally abuse some of his cast. Yeah, and there's there's some really really bad horror stories about that. And from what I've heard, again, I don't know too much about it. This director is kind of like that, not as intense, but he was just very he just pushed his cast very hard huh. uh, to get like certain scenes done. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I've heard about that's like especially bad, and that's why I've kind of heard about it, is the scene with the character where they are in the water on the rubber raft and they die. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding of it is, A, they're nude, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a closed set that day when they were filming. So there was just a shit ton of people. What the fuck? Which is, you know, very uncomfortable. Like, that's a not an appropriate way, I think, to handle that. Mm-hmm. But it was very, very cold. Oh. And wet. Well, yeah, they're in a raft on the water. Yeah, but I think it was like winter, fall when they were filming. That sucks. And so it was very, very cold. And, of course, the character's naked on this wet raft, and they had to do multiple, multiple takes. I think they filmed, like, all night. Oh, my God. And it, it, uh, it apparently eventually got to the point where I think the actor was, like, starting to get hypothermia. Holy shit. And, like, Ted White had to step in and go, like, stop, mm-hmm. or I'm going to quit. Damn. Good on him, man. Which, I mean, I think it's very good on him, and that's why I bring it up. But, you know, it's hard stuff like that, where it's like, you get good takes, because I think that kill's very good in this that movie. kill's really good. But there is, like, sometimes consequences. I think that's important to mention. Especially because, like, <laughs> you know, to get it to, like, quit, Ted White had to be on, like, you know, a bad footing with the director for mm-hmm. the rest of filming. Damn. But it gets, it, I mean, it's, I don't think it was, like, intentionally abusive. I think it was just the director trying to, like, get the best take out of his cast. Yeah, it's but, just like. sometimes that's hard, you know? Sometimes you go a little too far. Yeah. I don't know. You would just think that, like, and I guess. It was the 80s, so different standards by today, you know what I mean? But if – this is something that I learned in theater. If an actor or someone says they don't want to do something or something is going too far, you just you just don't do it. Like, there's just a line and you just can't cross that, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's hard because, like, I don't, I don't mean to be mean when I say this, but that's, like, stagecraft, especially, like, small, like, stagecraft versus multi-million dollar movie. I mean, and fair. And so there's a lot more at stake. But, I, I mean, I kind of think you're right, where it's just, like, it's very important to make a very good movie, but then they're sometimes going too far, you know? Mm-hmm. I think um, I've seen a clip, and it's an interview with uh, Robert, Bob's Bob's dad. Mm. Do you want to explain who your dad is? <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah, Lloyd Kaufman. Who? I guess he, he owns Troma, right? Yeah. Like, actually, does he actually own it? It's I, him and somebody else. I don't think remember. it's his brother, right? I think so, yeah. Anyways, Lloyd Kaufman, he's, like, in charge of uh, Troma Entertainment, which is, like... 
I don't even want to call it a B movie production company, <laughs> but they're like this really uh kind of shitty exploitation B movie thing. They're great. They make some fun films. They make some amazing films. They're not films. necessarily good, but no, they're fun. No, they're good. It's Bob, shut up. They're not necessarily good. There's some really, really bad ones, but there's also some fun ones. And, you know, if you like kind of B-movies and stuff, Troma's great. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that, like, Full Moon, where it's that very famous uh, horror B-movie company. But I've seen this really great interview clip with uh, Lloyd Kaufman where he's talking about, like, making movies. And I think he has this really good take on it where he's just like, the worst thing that could happen is someone gets hurt while we're filming because we're making a shitty movie. Like, no one cares. But if someone gets hurt, that's like a big deal. So we can't have that. Yeah. I think that's a really good take on it. So I thought I'd bring that up mostly because Bob. I love Lloyd Kaufman. Bob's Lloyd Kaufman. And also, I love trauma films. They're some of my favorite (laughs) movies. Okay. I think that's all we have to say for the spoiler section, right? Yeah, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that seems particularly important. To mention. Oh, I think it's the first film that where they say uh, Mrs. Voorhees' first name. Oh, you do mention that, it's yes. It's Pamela. Mm-hmm. Pamela Voorhees. You don't know that. I think I talk about Pamela throughout the mm-hmm. rest of these because it's just easier to refer to her as Pamela. Yeah, I mean, it's just Mrs. Voorhees, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I think that's kind of a cool factoid. All right, on that note, we're going to go back. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys in a second. Hey, Okay, uh, Bob, hit us with your recommendations. Look, if you're watching the whole series and you have not gotten to four, go watch four. It's good. I enjoy it. I think it might... Well, I'll save that. Yeah, so if you're watching the whole Friday series, 13 series, keep going. Four's worth it. Don't stop at three. It is very much an entertaining slasher film. Like, it's not... It's one of those... How do, it's one of those movies where you go in knowing what you want and you get what you want, but it executes a lot of the practical effects and the gore on a higher level. So, A, slasher. B, gore. Gore and practical effects are really, really, really good in this movie. It's Tom fucking Savini. He don't miss. Okay? Love the man. Four, if you want a horny movie, it's a horny movie. (gasps) Like, there are an egregious amount of boobs and ass throughout in my, like, it's a lot. Like, more than even I was expecting, to be honest. Because, like, you come into a slasher, you go, oh, yes, there will be boobs. There will be ass. There will be nudity. This movie's a lot. Basically, every character gets naked. Yeah, um, even some of the dudes. No dong. Sorry about that spoiler, but, you know, I think those are my four recommendations. Okay, straight off the bat, if you like Friday the 13th, I mean, I think this is both a very good film in the franchise, especially for early movies, um, but it's also very important in the franchise. It's the final chapter. I mean, that's a, a big point in the the story. Yeah. And so, you know, if all that sounds great, watch it. Second up is, like, it's actually a really good, I think, example of a slasher film. Um, We get our killer that's, like, super imposing and super, like, good at pulling off these just creative kills that are just sometimes over the top in their violence while also just having our collection of nothing teens. But they're not nothing this time. They're they're nothing characters, but they're at least entertaining. And I think that's what you get from the best slashers. So if you're looking for just a good slasher, Good watch here. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, you could probably just start with this one because of like how the uh, recap stuff works. Like You don't necessarily need to have watched 1, 2, and 3 to watch this one. You should, yeah, but you don't have to. I mean, I think Bob mentioned the horny thing. I don't think that's like necessarily the greatest recommendation ever because like <laughs> there's other things you can watch if that's what you're after. Sure. However, he isn't wrong. Like, no. if, if, you, if you want that, this movie's got it. And then I think last but not least, if you want, like, a horror movie with, like, 
an actually well uh, written and acted like kid character. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, Tommy Jarvis is fucking killer in this film. All right, on that note, I think we're gonna do our ratings. I'm in a pickle because, like, I'm gonna be honest, this might be the most fun I've had on one of these yet. Yeah, and we'll talk. I think once we done do ratings, we'll talk about where we think they are in the series. Sure. So far, you know what? I think I'll I'll give it a four. Okay. I, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. A lot more than I was expecting to, honestly. Mostly because I think the switch up in this movie of having a second group of people that aren't just horny teens appear and do things. Fresh. Great. It's kind of nice. It. Yeah. I also really like this Jason actor. Uh, what's his name? Ted White? Yeah. Killer. Awesome, dude. I love I love yeah. how... I just love him. He's he, so cool. He really, I think, reinvents kind of how the character behaves. Yeah, he like animates him in a completely different way, and it's so cool and fun. And just keep harping on that. I like the way Jason acts in this film. I like all the cool stuff he does. I like him so much more in this film than the other three. He also has that rad hockey mask in this film. Yeah. Uh, I, we haven't talked about that yet, but like it has the damage mm-hmm. from the previous movies. Yep. Which is just like a little continuity thing, but it, it makes it look super cool. Makes it look cool is really nice. I All the characters in this film, while we've said once again, the rati- the writing is not amazing, but the writing is funny. Because it's so bad sometimes. And it's super fun. That's my other big re- reason I'm giving it a four. It's so fun. It's like the first one of these where I went, oh my god. Like, it's just entertaining to watch. This is the first one that's felt really, like, iconic to me in a lot of ways. Like, the first one is iconic for a completely different reason. Yeah. The second one, fine. No, this like, one, I think what you're trying to get at, just feels like a Friday the 13th film. Yeah. Like how you understand it to be from mm-hmm. like pop culture. Yeah, it it feel it just gives me everything I want, but has all these little small things to make it so much better. Yeah. Which is why I can give it a four. Okay. I'm gonna do the weird thing we sometimes do where I rate it higher than Bob. Whoa. I'm gonna give it a four and a half. I knew you were gonna do that. Because like what look, it it's hard to be objective about a film like this. A because it's a sequel and stuff like that, but also because like it exists in this like realm of there's 12 Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So you're kind of, at least for me, rating it within that understanding and the understanding of it as, like, a cultural phenomena. But I think, like I just said to Bob, this really does feel like the first true, like, Friday the 13th movie. I think that's in part how Ted White portrays the character as this big, hulking, super strong dude. But, like, I think this is really the first movie where it's, it's Jason's movie. Yeah. Like, I'm watching it for Jason. And just seeing that on screen is really, really great. And I think that's what puts this movie above and beyond just being your generic horny teens at a lake being killed. And I mean, I think that by itself gets it to a four. However, what really gets it to like a four and a half for me is all the little things in this film. You know, um, the way Tommy Jarvis behaves like an actual character. Um, I think his actor, Corey Feldman, just does a great job with him. All the teens will not necessarily be best ridden in part because they're just (laughs) vehicles to be killed and be horny. Uh, they do have, like, some interesting and at least goofy interactions to keep you entertained. Creative kills, like we talked about, Tom Savini's really great. It's shot well. Basically, all around, I think it's a it's a really decent film. Mm-hmm. And uh, a really good addition to the universe. Oh, yeah. Really progressive. Plus, the whole fact that it's supposed to be the final chapter gives it a finality that's, like, hard to find in slasher films. Mm-hmm. Um, and really lets it do some cool things. Yeah, because it... It allows it to kind of feel like it's over. Yeah. Which is weird because most other slashers, it goes cliffhanger. It never does one, that ever. <laughs> yeah. And now this one's like, oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Wrapped it up, baby. Which I, I think really helps. So, yeah, I'm going to rate it 4.5. I think it's it's really good. Even yeah. though it does have some issues, I think, you know, 
it's pretty good. All right, let's do our uh, our third way check in. Yeah, to see where we're feeling. And I think this is kind of a good point to note that like I think for a lot of people, and um, this includes myself, you can kind of think as like of the first four Friday the Thirteenth movies as kind of their own contained thing. That makes sense. I mean, there is some carryover and like plot relation stuff. I would hope, as you'll see, like it's not as clear of a timeline <laughs> as the Child's Play franchise, but like you know, there's a timeline going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of how like final this film feels, you can really treat one, two, three, and four kind of as their own unit. And I think going forward, you're gonna hear me reference that a little bit. So okay. just so you know, so for like these first four films, the uh, quadrilogy. Okay. Quadrilogy, yeah. I think that's right, right? I don't know. Four, quad. Probably. Like, what's your order of, like, favorite to least favorite? Because I know we rate things on this show, Mm -hmm. but ratings doesn't always reflect... Favorites? Yeah. For me, it mostly does, most of the time. Most of the time. There are some moments where my rating is not the same as my favorite. And I think I'll stick by my ratings are my favorite. I think my favorite is still the first one. But like I've stated on these t- episodes multiple times, I like the first one mostly because of the style of the film. I'm just into that slow whodunit slasher thing. Before we finish up this franchise, I want you to go rewatch the first one. Okay. Just to see if that changes your enjoyment. It might. We'll see. But uh, And I'm going to say this right now. My second favorite one is four. It's so fucking fun. Like, I really had a blast with this one. I had a really good time. And then next is two. Because I think what two does that I enjoy a lot is it basically took the skeleton of one and turned it into more of a slasher film. Yeah. And then my least favorite's three because I'll be honest, I don't really like any of the characters in three that much. It has a lot of problems too from the 3D. We talked about yeah, that Yeah, and that also episode. the 3D just makes it egregiously horrible to witness sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying in not a good way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think Martyrs four, or no, one, four, two, three. Okay. You're going to have a very different order here. Okay. Threes, number one. I would that kill was, you. <laughs> that was a joke. That movie is not good. It's not It's not, not bad either. That's the problem. Yeah. It, it sucks because, like, you know a lot of the issues are from the 3D stuff. And yeah. it's like, I see the framework of an almost good film. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. No. No, I think my favorite is, out of these four, is probably four. Um, I don't think it's the best film. I know I rated it probably the highest. I think so. But objectively, I think one and two are better films. Fair enough. Which, super weird that I didn't rate them as high, but I, I do think they both have issues. And while I do try to be objective with my rating system, I'm also rating it from, like, I think a recommendation standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think four is just the most fun. It's, it's the so most, fun. like, Friday the 13th film so far. And for that reason alone, I think it has to go in the first spot. My second is actually part two. Fair enough. Because, A, I really, really like that film. Uh, I think it is overall much better than this one, in part because of the characters. The characters in that film are probably the best written characters so far in the franchise. You get Ted. Ted. Paul Holt. (laughs) Paul Holt. Vicky. Mark. Mike. Mark. Oh, I still love Mark. It's all pretty great. Like, there's so much characterization. The plot's pretty good. It's basically like a revamped version of the first movie, but in a lot of ways done better. Yeah. And so I think it's pretty great. In fact, the only reason it doesn't go first for me is because I just prefer this version of Jason. Yeah, man. I think it's a lot more in tune with what I want with the character. 
Um, and I think that's the only thing keeping me from putting two in first place. Could you imagine if they threw Ted White into two? I'd lose my mind. Yeah, and I mean, see, part of my issue, though, is like, I think the Jason actor, the main Jason actor in part two does a good job. No, he does do a good job, but it's just a very different Jason. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, you know? Like, you know, Steve Dash is great, but it's just like, I think it's less an issue of the physicality of the character in that movie, but more of the fact that, like, he hasn't had enough movies to just be out in the open. Yeah. Like he is in this film. And I think that really takes away from the performance, which sucks. Also, not as iconic, uh, appearance-wise. Yeah. All right. Number three, I think it's the first film. It's it's good, and I like the end of that film so much. I think it is probably one of the most solid endings in the franchise. However, the beginning, like the, the first two-thirds of that film are such such a slugfest. It's yeah. just so, so hard. And I mean, I think it's better if you don't know anything about that film and it's your first time watching. Like, Bob really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I mean, I almost put four above one because it lacks the issue of the first half where Jason isn't out and about being a slugfest because the characters are entertaining and funny. But I just, I am a, I love it. I know you did, but I've seen it a bunch and it just, the that issue becomes more and more prevalent of like how boring it is because like I, I like slow suspenseful films but a lot of the slow suspense comes from the whodunit of that film and like yeah once that secret is out there because it's not it's not a well-written whodunit no it is not a well-written whodunit so it's not enjoyable for rewatch it's no sleepaway camp and that's like the issue uh so it's not good for rewatch at least for me uh and so it's it's just i can't go higher than i think three no, I mean, that's fair. Uh, and then the last place is 3D. That just, that film has problems. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's pretty Not funny. on purpose, but because it's bad. That Some 3D, of those 3D stuff gags is not are great. ridiculous. And like I said, I watched that in theaters with other people, and that was a lot of fun. Because it was just like, wow, we are not enjoying this thing together. And that is a great, <laughs> great time. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's me for the first four films. The first age of Jason. The first third of the franchise. Yep. Only two more parts to go. All right, uh, we're going to go to the outtakes now. I'm not sure what we're going to have because uh, here's a little behind-the-scene thing for you. Uh, we lost all our time marks for stuff, so Bob's going to have to find them manually. Yep, which I'm dreading. All right, well, uh, we'll see you in a bit. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Friday the 13th Part 4 so far. I really like this film. I think it's super, super fun and super, super classic. But if you do not want any major spoilers from this outtake section, please skip to an hour, 12 minutes, and 16 seconds immediately. This first clip is our reaction to one of the cold open kills. This guy's watching softcore porn. It's exercise videos. They're not exercising. They literally are exercise videos. Oh! Oh my god! Holy shit! <laughs> that was so cool! <laughs> this next clip is our reaction to where Jason has been this entire film. Oh! Oh my god! That's like some Michael-level bullshit right there. With a spear gun. Well, we know where he got that from. I think he must have recovered it. 
He probably just went back. That's and where got he's it. been the whole movie, <laughs> picking up his shit from the last movie. <laughs> Not his shit, just the spear gun. Yeah, I guess they left the mask on him when he was in the hospital for some reason, which was weird. This next clip is our reaction to one of the more creative kills in this film. She might have heard her. <laughs> the last words my sister said to me. You <laughs> slut. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just... What? Oh. <laughs> holy, holy shit! Oh my god! Hi everybody! Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. I'm sure there were quite a few. I am i don't know how many we got. Probably some pretty funny ones, I'm gonna be honest. The movie had some exciting kills and I screamed a lot. Do we have any announcements? Benjamin. Nothing like explicit except, you know, normal Friday episodes. And then uh, these are coming out on Saturdays and Wednesdays. Yep. So uh, check out part five uh, next Saturday. Yeah. You know? We're almost halfway there. Almost. <sighs> Some might even say we're one-third of the way there. Yeah, well. Aside from that, you know, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other places. Uh, we're also on YouTube, which is a great place to show us some love. Uh, we can see your, like, subscriptions and your likes and stuff like that. And that's, like... Kind of cool. YouTube's also great because it's one of the two places you can communicate with us at. Uh, you can do that in the comments section on YouTube, or you can tweet at Bob on uh, X, also known as Twitter. If you're going to do that, why don't you go spam him? Just, like, really overwhelm him. It'll be funny. He'll be like, they're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you. Oh, my God. Like Ben said, you can check us out on Twitter. On Twitter, at Beware the Board. X? Shut up. <laughs> it's where I post updates about the show, information about the show, anything you want to know about the show goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a hidden movie cover that you can reveal to see what it is so you can watch the movie before we do, so that when you listen to the episode, you don't get any spoilers, and when being really vague about stuff, you can kind of understand what we're talking about. Then, on Friday, or whatever the episode goes live, I post a link to the episode, so if you ever miss an upload or when you want something up, all of the links to all of the episodes should be on our Twitter. Last thing, check us out on TikTok and YouTube Shorts, at Beware the Board. It's where I post short-form content for the show. So if you like short-form content and are interested in it, we have some TikToks and stuff. It's old clips from the show, new stuff from old episodes, basically anything that I could cut into a little clip, I put it on YouTube Shorts and on our TikTok, at Beware the Board. So check it out. I think that's it, Ben. All right. See you guys next time. Yeah. Well, uh, see you guys next time. <laughs>